Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? It's good to see you. My name is Dylan. I'm the worship director here. Welcome. Glad to have you. So how about the sunshine today? Isn't it nice? It's been a rainy week, a cloudy, a cold week, but the sun is out. It's a beautiful day, and I know that we are all excited about that. If you've been with us for the past two weeks, then you'll know that we are currently in a series called Timeless, where we are reaching back to some of those early worship songs. Today, we're continuing that series and next week. So we're excited to go back and play some of these songs. It's been a lot of fun so far. Right now, why don't we go ahead and all stand together? We're going to clap our hands and sing. Let's do that together right now. Here we go.
shadow of death Your perfect love is casting out fear And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life I won't turn back, I know you are near And I will fear no
Good morning, everyone. We're so excited that you're here. You've chosen a fantastic day to hang out with us here at Springwell. Why? Because we're going to be celebrating baptism. Whether you're brand new to church or you've been around for years, we understand that baptism can seem a little confusing. So we want to make it as simple as we possibly can. Baptism is an outward demonstration of an inward decision. Today, we're going to be celebrating with people who have decided to make Jesus Christ the priority in their life. Their, their lives have been changed by the good news that He came to die for them, rose again, so that they can have a brand new life. So today you're going to see people going underwater. That's a symbol that we have died to our old ways of living, our old desires, and that when we are raised out of the water, we're made a new creation. Now we desire the things that God desires and that He has changed us and made us something new. Now you may have noticed that I used the word celebrate a couple of times, and it's because that's what we do here when it comes to baptism. You're going to hear us shout, you're going to hear us clap our hands, we're going to be singing, and we're going to have a great time. Why? Because we know that heaven celebrates every time someone chooses to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So you have really chosen a fantastic day to be here with us today at Springwell. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Let's get ready to celebrate. So we're going to be celebrating baptism in just a few minutes after Pastor Scott's message this morning. But right now we're going to celebrate through giving. If today is your first time at Springwell, maybe your second time, maybe somebody's invited you, there's no obligation to give. Please don't think that's why they invited you here or that's why they asked you to come. That's not what we're about. Everyone should have gotten one of these cards in your seat uh, you probably pushed it over or pushed it in the floor. Uh, if you could <laughs> take some of you are like, he's looking at me. No, I'm not. I just know. Uh, and so if you, but if you could take just a moment and look at this, you can take this home with you. Um, one of the things we really believe uh, here at Springwell is it's important to be a giver and that God gives us 100% of what we have. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so we believe in the power of giving. And so this card is just to a reminder of some different ways that you can give. Uh, you can give, you can text the number that's on this card. It'll be on the screen in just a second. Uh, you can give. There's a kiosk in the lobby. Um, you can give that way. You can give online. You can even set up to reoccur like you can many of your bills. Or you can give it the old-fashioned way in the bucket when it comes by in just a moment. But take this with you just as a, as a reminder um, of, of, your, of your giving and your giving spirit. Here at Springwell, we don't believe giving is something we have to do, but it's something we get to do because we get to participate in what God is doing. And each and every week, we can see the results of what we give um, as a willing sacrifice. So that's what this is for. Let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll take up our offering. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you for your presence in here this morning, God, for some of us, um, we don't know exactly what that means, um, Lord, but thank you that you're with us, and Lord, that you never leave us or forsake us, even when we don't feel it, uh, even when it doesn't make tangible sense, God, you are still here, and you're still in our presence, and so, Lord, this morning as we come into this place, we come in different life experiences in different places spiritually, but different places in life, Lord, we thank you that you promised to meet us where, where we are, and Lord, we 
pray that your spirit would move, that it would touch us, that it would comfort us, that it would teach us this morning, God, as we worship you. And Lord, right now as we worship through giving, God, may this um, symbolize our hearts, our hearts being devoted to who you are and to a thankfulness attitude and walking out in gratefulness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're on the left side of the road, there's a bucket under your chair. You can pass that thing to the right. Thank you all for being at Springwell.
So we're in a series called uh, Timeless, and we're, uh, we're talking about worship. And uh, you know, there's there's worship music. Certain songs, for a lot of us, um, are like spiritual markers that hold this incredible, deep meaning for us. It takes us to a place. Really healthy place. Ingalls Wings is uh, one of those songs. It was written something like 1999, early 2000, I guess. And it was written by a group in Australia, Hillsong, actually. A group there actually wrote the song. And, and for me personally, um, it became almost a foundational worship song for me personally. And, and what I mean by that is, is that in those early years of Springwell, I mean, it, things were crazy. Uh, literally, there were weeks we were just trying to figure out where we are going to meet next week. And we started off at home. We outgrew the home the very first week. and So then we had to find another place. We met in a place called Ladies Health and Fitness. So it was filled with mirrors. I told everybody we doubled our attendance. <laughs> it looked really good. <laughs> and... Uh, Those were some really, <clears throat> those were some really sweet days. But there were days when, when there were long days. Uh, trying to start a church, trying to plant a church. We didn't know we called it planting a church. We call it church planting now. You can get a degree in that. So they tell me, that would have been nice. Um, we were just starting a church uh, back in those days. And uh, so you know, trying to meet. We were going to meet next week. Uh, I'm literally, no kidding, working 70 and 80 hours every week. And you would think, because we were professionals, <laughs> you would think that, you know, we'd have the worship thing down. You would think that we would have the Jesus thing down, right? So what, what we get paid to do. Wow, it's a lot more to it than that. Working 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, we've always been a church that reaches broken people, and so we were reaching broken people. We still reach broken people. And when I say broken people, all people are broken, but we reach the kind of people that walk in and say, hey, I know I'm broken. And so we had to just work crazy hours. We were doing everything that we could do. And, and, and in those days, honestly, it was just easy to just to squeeze Jesus out. And I remember when this song first came out, it was just that song that just, it was a foundational song to bring me back to center. Those words, here I am waiting. Oh, man, I... I know what it was like in the busyness of my day to stop and to say, Lord, I'm just waiting on you. I need you. Here I am longing for you. You know what I'm talking about? Longing for. Not, not needing in the sense that um, I'm on my knees and I'm, I'm begging and I'm pleading with you because I need you to do something for me. Not, I'm not talking about that kind of... I'm talking about when, when, you, just, when you just want to be with Him. When you've walked with him enough that you got beyond religion, just fact, religion just kind of ticks you off. And you just want to be in that relationship with him. This, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know if I'm making any sense or not. He says, hide me in your love. I've never understood bring me to my knees because automatically you just, to be in his love, it, 
that brings you to your knees. <laughs> and he says, uh, the words of the song are, and may I know Jesus more and more. Oh, sweet. That's why I gave my life to Jesus, by the way. In a warehouse on Pelham Road, about 10 minutes till 7 on a Monday morning, that's why I gave my life to Jesus, was to experience Him. Before I knew anything about church, I didn't even like church. Certainly didn't like church people. Um, couldn't stand religion. I just wanted to know Him. just wanted to know Him. It's his presence at the end of the day. still is. <sighs> so if you're like brand new today, you're probably thinking, dude, like I came on the wrong day. You know, woo! I mean, you know, you all that mushy Christian Jesus stuff. You know, like I'm brand new. I don't even understand what this is all about. So you're probably thinking like a series on worship, probably just for followers of Jesus, probably just for Christians. And you, maybe, you know, you'll come back in a couple of weeks when this is over with. But here's, here's what I would say. That's, that's not true. It's, that's not, it, it's not true. According to Romans 1, um, here's what it says. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. See, I told you, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you haven't given your life to Jesus, even if, if you're like, you don't even consider yourself to be religious at all, you're, you're still a worshiper you were created, you were born with this innate thing that draws you to. And so you are a worshiper. You may not be worshiping God, but you are a worshiper. And so there are things in your life that, there are people in your life, there are things in your life, there's, there is worship taking place every single day, whether you even know it or not. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, um, maybe a lot of you that walked in here today, you would probably say, yeah, man, I worship God. And I would say, do you? Because here's somehow what we've done in church is we've, just, we've allowed you to think that, that worship is something that takes place on a Sunday morning, you know, and I, really it's not the message. We don't worship during the message. It's really just, just during the music time. You know, and, and the offering, no, 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 that's, that's painful. We don't want to talk about money. We don't, that ain't got anything to do with worship, right? This church's got to pay the bills. That's really what it amounts to, right? That's how most people think. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with worship. And so worship really is just kind of dumbed down to that thing that we do on a Sunday morning. And here's what I would say. And, and some of you think, you know, you think, I've worshipped this morning. Some of you were able to go back to those old songs that took you to a place, right? And so maybe, you know, maybe you raised a hand. You know, maybe if you're, you know, raised Pentecostal, you raised two hands. If you were Baptist, you kind of, you wanted to, but you're scared what people might think, right? <clears throat> and so here's the thing. So you maybe walked in thinking, you know, I worship God. I worship the one and only God. And I would say, maybe you do, maybe you don't. So how can you tell what you worship? How do you know, really, what, what you worship? Well, just follow the trail. Follow the trail of your time. Pull, pull out your, your calendar. I, I live by a calendar. I don't know about you. I have to live by a calendar. I have 
extremely busy days, I've got to know where I'm supposed to be. And, and so literally, if you looked at my calendar, 7 o'clock every morning, it's going to have my quiet time. That's the time I spent with God because I found out that, that there was so much to do that I would really squeeze God out. And so I had to make sure that I planned my time for God. And so 7 o'clock, I'm telling him, that's my time. Who am I kidding? I'm up before then. So most of the time, by 7 o'clock, I've already spent probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes just kind of hanging out with Jesus because I need that. I need that. So follow the trail. No kidding. Just look at your calendars. Follow the trail of your affection. Follow the trail of your energy. Follow the trail of, follow the trail of your money. If you really want to know what's important to you, no kidding. I mean, just, just look at where you spend your money. Look at where your loyalty is. Follow that trail. At the end of that trail, you're going to come to a throne. And whatever or whoever that sits on that throne, that is the thing that you really value and deem the most valuable in your life. And so some of us would like, you know, proud Christians would stick our chest out and we would raise our hands and say, I worship God. And I would say, really, do you? Because when we look at your life, when we look at your time and your affection, your money, when we look at all of those things that matter, the time that you allocate every week, God's, is if he's there, yay for you. If he's not, then you're just fooling yourself. So, let's say that you're a follower of Jesus and you're thinking, man, I want to worship God though. I do. I hope, you know, even for folks that aren't Christians and they show up on a Sunday morning, I hope that what they see from those of us they're followers of Jesus. I hope what they see is something that's real and genuine. Are you, are you with me? And not that we're just fake and we just raise hands because it's the time. And like on cue, we know when to raise our hand. We know when to kneel down. That really confuses them. But what they can see is this thing that, that when they look in our face, they go, "That you know what? I don't know a lot, but that's real. That's genuine right there. So how do we get to that place? How do we get there? Well, one way. It may be the only way, but out of humility, I said, one way that you can improve our worship is to improve our view of God. I, you, listen, worship is never going to be what it should be if you have a very small view of God, if you have a limited view of God. The more you know God, the, the more accurate your view of God, the bigger your worship is. So the next question is, okay, that's cool. So how do I get a bigger view of God? You ready? You taking notes? Are you leaning in? We can't. At least not on our own. And I'm going to share some scripture with you this morning, and the Bible does have something to do with it. It's getting an accurate view of God. But listen, I, if that's all you know, then, then what you have is nothing but academic. It's, it's just that you're going through the motions, you're religious, and, and so you walk through some Scripture and you say a few things, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where worship is something that oozes out of you. It, it flows out. You can't help it. That's what I'm talking about. And you know what? You can't just get that from reading a few verses. Unless God himself shows us who he is. Unless he shows us who he is, then we can't respond to him with true worship from our hearts. So God reveals and we can respond in a very authentic, it's natural. I, you know, I love what we do because we reach so many unchurched people. And the thing of it is, is it, and I watch it, unchurched folks, they get a hold of Jesus. Nobody tells them to laugh or to clap. Nobody says, okay, here's the appropriate time. No, no clap now. 
Yeah. They don't know. And most churches would say, you can't clap in church. It's not right. Why? I, I don't know. It just, just don't seem right. Don't do it. Unchurched people, out of, out of the joy of, of this relationship with God, it just kind of oozes out of them. I love that. So God reveals himself. And, uh, but the thing of it is, we'll never be able to fully grasp the greatness of God with our minds because our minds are too small. Brain power we have is just not enough. And, and would you want it to be? I mean, really, do you want a God you can figure out? <laughs> do you want a God like to say, okay, God, here's the thing. Like, I've been watching, and so you really don't know what you're doing over here. I'm just saying. And so <laughs> I'm going to, like, counsel you. God, I'm not going to charge you anything. It's just free because you're like God. But hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through a few things. Would you want a God that you didn't feel like was bigger, that was, that was so much bigger that your mind could not comprehend? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to know a God I could understand. That would be scary. But there is, much, there is a lot we can know. For example, I just made this up on my own. My own terms. God is, we can know that he is infinitely awesome. We can know that. As he reveals himself. God's no small fry. He's not even a supersized fry. He's bigger than anything that we can imagine. He's infinite. Now what, is it, what does that mean? So we say that God is infinite. What, what does that mean? Well, one, here's the way one writer put it. He said, having no limits, never running out, having no end, existing forever, unbound, timeless. In other words, it's the kinds of stuff that really, if we're just gut level honest, we really cannot comprehend. It really doesn't make any sense to us, right? Psalms 90 says this, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. I mean, God, you, like, you were before there was a beginning. Are you with me? Hang on. He was in the beginning and was God. God was before the beginning. God created the beginning. Come on now, tell me you can wrap your brain around that one. You go, what? You're, some of you were taking notes and you stopped. and You said, I don't even know what to write. What did he say? Here's the thing. God was before the beginning. In the beginning, God was. He was before there was a beginning. And here's the thing. And he will always be. He will never cease to be. From everlasting to everlasting. Yet he's never been tired. He's never slept. The Bible says that he never slumbers nor sleeps. Like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, you've always been, I mean, you've, and, you've, and you don't get tired? And you've never had any sleep? I mean, I'm just telling you, if I don't get my sleep, you don't want to be around me. My head will spin around, and I'll spit green stuff at you. I'm just telling you. I turn into a demon if I don't get enough rest. Are you, are you with me? And so I think about God. For me to try to comprehend a God that has, he's never grown tired. He's never been updated. He's, he's never been upgraded. He's never aged. He is self-sufficient. He is self-contained. God does not need anybody or anything, but he wants us. What? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need us. He wants us. Wrap your brain around that. If all of us happen to fall off the face of the earth, God will still be exactly who he is. He's not like you know, Tom Cruise in the movie. You complete me. You know that? 
God. He doesn't need us to be complete. If all of us, if every single person on the face of the earth, if we abandon our worship, he'll remain the same. It won't change who he is. <clears throat> if not one single person on earth ever chose to respond to him in love, God would still be God. God would still be love. God's love for us would still be the same. His love for us would not change. It will not change regardless of how we respond to him. Now let me share this verse of scripture with you. I'm going to share this passage with you. And I'm going to be honest right up front. This is how I start every single morning with God. This is, these are my verses. Right out of here, right out of Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth. Oh, the depth of the riches, Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches of your wisdom and your knowledge, God. You're, wow. How unsearchable are your judgments and your paths are beyond tracing out. God, I can't. I can't, I can't remotely think I can figure you out. I, I can't. Your, your path is, is beyond that for me. Who has ever known your mind, God? Who has ever been your counselor? Like God, like you ever need me to counsel with you? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. He is, are you with me? He is infinitely awesome. Science is gaining ground every day. A lot of preachers, we don't talk about this because we're scared of science, right? Like we think that science is the enemy. I would say that science is not the enemy. I would say that scientists are the enemy. <laughs> are you with me? Science is, is, science is not bad, is it? I don't think it's really that bad. I think we can look further into space than we ever before and deeper within our bodies. We, more so now than ever before at any other time in history. And what we discover amazes us. That's why I love science. That's why I love it. You know, there was a time when we thought that the earth was flat back in Carmen's day. You know, that was... Somebody protect me. She's probably packing right now. There was a time, listen, there was a time when science thought that the earth was flat. But guess what? After years of continuing to, to pursue, we realized that it wasn't flat, but that it's round. Here's what I love about science. Science can be good in that man will push the limits as far as we can. And the more that we discover, the more amazed that we are. And as if I have even heard some scientists say there must be, I don't know if I believe in God, but there must be a designer because there is a design. It's more than they can comprehend. God is infinitely awesome. They tell me that we inhabit a galaxy compromising the billions of stars of which I read our sun is only average at best. Wrap your brain around that one. They say that our Milky Way is only one galaxy among maybe millions or billions more other galaxies, each housing billions of stars on their own. That, this is why. Here's my second passage. This is why I love this second passage because it takes... Let me just read it. I'm so excited, I can't hardly stand myself. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. I do it every morning, every single solitary morning. I never miss a day when I don't walk out. And some days, like the day, it was partly cloudy. But you know what? I looked up and I saw, even when it's cloudy, I go, wow, God, you're the one that created the clouds that maybe will, will cause me not to be able to see, but when the clouds roll away, I'm looking at a sky filled with stars. Billions and billions of stars. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these? 
and say, I'm able to stand there with my dog. She's doing her business. And I go, my daddy right there. Maggie. <laughs> hey, whoa, Maggie. I'm sorry. Look. This is, this is what our Heavenly Father has created. He brings out all the starry hosts one by one. He calls forth each one of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God is large and in charge. I'm telling you, he's infinitely awesome. So every morning I told you, when I start, I start with those two passages. I go to Romans, and I start with Romans, because it reminds me of how small I am. Who can give counsel? Nobody. And then I read this passage out of Isaiah, and I go, wow, look at the sky. Just look at the sky. He's huge. And I need that. I need that to be a part of my worship. I desperately need that. But let me tell you why I need that. I need that because life can make God look small sometimes. Life can make God look small when somebody that you love is dying of cancer. And, and you may be able to go to Genesis 1 and say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and, and you might be able to look at that. And, you, and so maybe maybe you even, you even, you even find yourself looking at, he, he reached down out of the dust of the earth and he created Adam, and then he took a rib from Adam's side and he created a woman. And maybe you read all of that and you say, but God, here's the thing, I know that you can, you have the power, so why won't you heal this person that I love? And then you doubt and you wonder, don't you? Life can make God look small when you're working two jobs and you still can't pay the bills. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. Don't tell me. I know what it's like to look up in the cabinet and have one can of green beans. And I don't even like green beans. That's why they were still up there. <laughs> Karen bought them. I wasn't going to eat them things. I never got that desperate. And when you think, God, I've begged and pleaded for you to show up. Lord, I'm not lazy. I'll work. God, I'll work. I just can't find a job that will pay enough. I, I can't do but so much. I've been there. I, I'm going to school full time. God, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give my life so I can, you know, educate myself that I'll be better able to serve people. And I'm doing everything that I can. And you know what, God? I don't know where you are. And you're not showing up and the bills aren't getting paid. Life can make God look small when you're struggling with depression and your days are dark and lonely and every day's worse than the day before. Life can make God look small when it looks like the creator of the universe is completely out of touch, maybe out of power. But here's the worst one. Here's the worst one. I, I could take it if God was out of power. I really could. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's been days when I went, Lord, you know what? If the only thing you ever did for me was go to the cross. If that was it, you sent your son, and your son went to the cross. And on the cross, he died to pay the penalty for a wretched, nasty old sinner like me. You know what? I, that, I, and then he was raised on the third day. I'm good. I mean, if you never did anything else, I'm good. But i got to be honest. Sometimes life can make God look like he has no compassion. And that's where I struggle the most. I don't struggle with him if he's out of power. I think, hey, what do I need more of your power? You've already been better to me than I deserve. I look at that, but, but when I look at it, I think, but God, come on. Don't you see me hurting now? Don't you see my life broken? The people that I love, I'm praying for, where are you? I'm telling you, sometimes life can make God look like he has no compassion. And I need worship. I need worship because worship reminds me of who he is and how big he is. I need 
worship in my, maybe you don't need it. I need it in my life. I need it personally. I can't, I can't wait till we get to church on Sunday morning. It's not enough for me. And then there's verses like Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. I've got to be honest. I, I read that when I was in seminary. just ticked me off. Yeah, it did. I said, really? So God, I'm struggling here. I mean, Karen and I, we've, we've packed up everything. We, we're broke as we can be. We got nothing. And, I, re- and I, I ask you to encourage me through your word, and you say, be strong and courageous? Is that the best you got? Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, come on. I want to ask you to raise your hand. But have you ever been to a place where you struggled so much as a follower of Jesus that you wanted to question whether or not he had left you? See, he promises to always be with us and to bring us through every troubling situation and every difficult season. But honestly, you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death before you'll know whether or not he will meet you there. You have to listen. You have to be in the pit before you know whether or not that God will meet you in the pit. You have to experience His love at a level that you've never experienced it before, before you'll understand Psalm 36. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. And until your experience meets the truth of Scripture, it's just academic. Honestly, you're just religious. That's all you are. So you show up at church and your worship is empty. And the people that are around you, they recognize that. I mean, and the people that that come from the outside and they walk in and they look at churches like that and they go, you know what, nothing here is real. It's fake. I don't need fake. I need real. Then there's, there's Isaiah 52. But I will reveal my name to my people. And they will come to know. They'll come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. God longs for us to know him. When we truly know him. When we truly come to know him. When we truly come to know Him through our pain, when we come to truly know Him through our hurt, when we have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and He met us there, oh, it'll change you, man. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll change your life. It'll change your worship. It will. You could care less what everybody around you is doing. And it won't just be a Sunday thing. It'll be a Monday. It'll be a Tuesday. It'll be a Friday night. I'm telling you, it'll radically change you when you come to know His power. God identifies himself as Elohim 35 times in the book of Genesis. It's the only name that's given for God in Genesis 1 to like Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. It's the only name that's given. Other names are given, and we'll talk about that actually. I can't wait. We're going to have the most fun Christmas. You, man, we're going to have a good time. We're going to figure out who God is. I think that one of the reasons for this name in the beginning is, is in particular is because he wants us to understand his power. In fact, the, the name literally translates 
Elohim translates into strong one. That's the name. And it has to do with, with God's sovereignty. It has to do with His authority, reflecting the greatness of His power. Elohim, what's this? This is so cool, isn't it? Now look, and look at Genesis, look at His name, and it means that He could create something out of nothing. It's more, it's more than that. It's that God can create something out of chaos. Over 10 years ago, some of my best friends left Springwell. Oh, I love these people. It's closer to those people than I am my own family. And we did life together at the deepest, sweetest level. And it's a long story, and I don't want to relive it, but just suffice it to say that it broke my heart and it broke theirs. In fact, I would say that for a period of time we were all very damaged. We were damaged goods. And that was just the beginning. For the next few months, people left Springwell by the groves. A church at one time was voted to be the fastest growing church in the state of South Carolina. We were losing people, literally by the hundreds. That is no joke. That's no exaggeration. To say I struggled with failure and the obvious, obvious, very obvious depression that comes with it would be an understatement. I struggled personally. I struggled professionally. I I didn't want to lead anything. You understand what I'm talking about? You know what I like to feel like a failure? I, I didn't want to lead anything. I didn't feel worthy to lead anything. I struggled spiritually, wondering how it happened. The wheels come off the old church bus, and I couldn't stop it. And I tried to stop it. I tried. I really did. I tried. I thought if I worked harder, and I did, I worked harder. I thought if I tried harder, and I did, I tried harder. I thought if I put in more hours, and I put in more hours. And I thought if I fought harder, and I'm a fighter. I didn't think that was a good thing for a long time, but I learned that that's what God, that's how He created me. It's what He put within me. And, and I thought if I just fought harder, and I'm hard-headed. I don't know if I'm a good fighter, I'm just hard-headed. I don't know which came first. But nothing that I tried worked. <clears throat> in fact, things got worse. Finally, in August of like 2010, we met with the bank for what I thought was going to be our giving them the keys to the church. See, we hadn't made a payment in three months. I knew we weren't going to make a payment that month, and I knew we weren't going to make the next one. In fact, I, I brought them into the building. I brought them right back here, cut the lights on. They thought I was here to show them the building. I said, nah. They said, oh, that's nice. I said, that's not what I brought you in here for. I said, we hadn't made a payment. We're not going to make a payment. I don't know if we'll ever make another payment, to be quite honest with you. And I took my keys, literally took my keys, and I said, tonight, I'm just ready to give you the keys. I just want it to end. I don't care, I just want it to end. Our relationships were destroyed, the church is failing, and honestly, I lost hope. You know what it feels like to lose hope? I mean, lose hope. Hope that you've 
prayed enough. You've prayed out. You don't know anything else to say. And then, and then the, the smart people come along and say, you just got to have more faith. Did I tell you I was a fighter? So, man, I'll slap a taste out of your mouth. Because at this point, I don't even care. I don't worry about asking God for forgiveness. I don't care. Well, the bank didn't want to foreclose on the church. I thought that was a spiritual moment. Come to find out, it didn't have anything to do with spiritual. They didn't want this land anymore than we did. <laughs> so they said they would work at us, but they encouraged us to refinance. And so we tried to refinance, and we met with company after company after company. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <clears throat> I knew that January 1st of the next year they were going to call the note, and I couldn't wait. I said, Lord, finally, it'll be over. I just wanted it to end. I don't really know how, honestly. For the next few years, we just dug deep. We dug deep and we tried to improve in every area that we possibly could. We tightened our budget, and with a huge $800,000 miracle, we reduced our debt from $2.2 million to less than $800,000 today. Can I ask like a holy... There's another word y'all don't want to say. It's church and it's 11 o'clock. Yeah, clap. Good Lord. <clears throat> We've applied systems that have made our processes better. And, and we have people that hate our systems. To which I say, <laughs> I don't care if you hate them or not. It doesn't matter to me. We're better because of those systems. There's accountability on top of accountability on top of accountability. Every staff person has an elder for the purpose of love and accountability. They can't hire. They can't fire. They're just there to love. They're there to walk beside. We want to make sure that every staff person is taken care of. We want to ensure that they're resting well. Yep, I had to almost threaten Will back there. I said, Will, if I come up here one more Friday, I'm an awful boss, right? What are you doing up here? Go home. We have to encourage them to rest because these guys, I don't know what you think. They work silly hours. So we encourage them to rest and we encourage them to spend time with their families. We ask questions like, when was the last time you took your spouse? When, when, when was the last time you all went on a date? When was, when was the last time you had a play date with your kids? When was the last time you were in a service? I mean, just in a service, just sitting in a service. That you didn't have any responsibility. You weren't worried about anything else going on in the church. When was, it, when was the last time? We want to make sure that they're spiritually healthy. And honestly, it would literally take me hours to give you the whole story of all that God's done here over the last 10 plus years. We're healthier than we've ever been. And all that is sweet. It really is. But let me tell you this. The sweetest part of the whole story is that my friends are back. I get to do life with these people again. Good people. I think I'm better with them. I hope that some of you get to experience that kind of community at the deepest level possible. It's the way to do life. Our mission, our vision, 
have never changed, but our process is to get there half. And today, we are a growing, thriving church. In fact, a few months ago, I got an email from somebody I'd never heard of asking the question, how did you turn it around? I went, what? And they said, well, I mean, we noticed it. They were really sweet. They showed me the decline. I thought, you know, like you didn't have to show me that. I was here. You know, I, I don't have to see it in a graph, you know. They said, but you know what? Things have turned around, and you are a growing, thriving church. How, how did you do it? You know, I thought about that a lot. Here, here's, I would really, it's a verse of Scripture. It's back to Isaiah 52, verse 6. But I will reveal my name. <laughs> I will reveal my name to my people, and they will come to know its power. And so we've come to know him in his full power. He's displayed his power with miracle after miracle after miracle. And through the practical application of systems. You love that part, don't you? <laughs> Write that one down. And I got one more, and just plain old common sense. And you go, huh? Yeah. More than anything? My worship has changed. I'm a different person than I was 10 plus years ago. I've watched Elohim create something out of nothing. I've watched and witnessed as he's been able to bring order out of chaos. You want to know why I worship him? It's because my experience has taught me that he is absolutely all that Isaiah 52 says that he is. Man, I struggled through this that night. So, as a follower of Jesus, let me ask you, how's your worship? Come on. How is your worship? And maybe you walked in here thinking that you worship God and you were puffed up with pride, but maybe now if you go down that trail of your time and your affections and your loyalties and your money, Forget that. Maybe as you think about what worship is for you, you realize that it's more mechanical. It's not authentic. It doesn't like ooze out of you. And maybe it's because maybe you're in a pit and God hasn't showed up yet. Boy, I get it. Maybe you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you are and he hasn't showed up yet. I get it. I'm not here to beat you up. Man, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you to, to tell you that He will be with you. Both my parents are dead. All my grandparents are dead. I feel like there's only a few of us left in my family. I know about grief and death. But I can promise you that in all your losses, He is there. He's there. You know, the first service, I said, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to do that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say that if you're a follower of Jesus and you would just be honest enough to say, man, I'm in the pit. I'm struggling. I want to worship. I want to get my worship right. But I'm struggling. And I just appreciate you praying for me. Would you just slip up your hand? 
okay, just raise it up. It's okay. Raise it up. It's hard, isn't it? And I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, there have been some gut-level honest people here. They're just willing to admit that they're struggling. Lord, people that, that raise their hands, God, that I believe they want to get it right. And Lord, the only way that we can get it right and for our worship to be sweeter and deeper is if you reveal yourself to us. And we'll never know if you'll walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death unless we experience the valley of the shadow of death. We won't know, God, unless we're in those struggles and you meet us there. And so, God, my prayer is so, so simple. Is that, God, honestly, for me, I just wanted to know that you weren't out of compassion. And so, Lord, I pray that you will compassionately speak to these people right now, Father, and draw them to yourself, God. Let them experience the presence. Show them a side of you that they've never seen. God, may they know Isaiah 52 is true. Romans 11 is true. Isaiah 52 is real. is still bowed your eyes still closed maybe you're here this morning you're not a follower of Jesus and maybe this morning you know what you've just kind of recognized and thought you know what I, I'm a worshiper there's things that I worship but n- none, nothing that I worship no one that I worship is able to meet me at the deepest place of my life where I long to be touched where I need to be touched So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want you to know that God's absolutely worthy of your worship. He's crazy about you. In fact, He's so crazy about you that He provided a way to have a relationship with you. That we're sinners. And He said, the only way I can have a relationship is to deal with your sin. And that's exactly what He did. And so Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, He died to pay the penalty for our sin. That's what He did. And He did it for one reason. He says, because I want a relationship with you. I don't need you, but I want you. On the third day, he was raised from the dead and he's alive. So right now, it's just for you to just say, Lord, I believe. By faith, I just surrender my life to you and ask for forgiveness. Ask him. Right now, just ask him. Say, Lord, I need you. I want you. Forgive me. Be my Savior. Everybody look this way. So we're going to baptize right now. And uh, some of you may, right here on the spot, you just accepted Christ as your Savior. And, And I hope that you listen to the video. If you didn't, then just understand what baptism is. It's going public with your faith. It's going to sit in this pool of water. We'll get some people. We're going to sit down and they're going to just because just they're in that pool of water, they tell you they believe that Jesus lived and I'll lean them back that he died. And I'll submerge them under the water. Depends upon how much sand they have in their life. That's a joke. A split second and I'll pull them out of that water. He's alive. But it's more than that. I'm dying to the old me. The old me has been buried. I've been raised by brand spanking new in Christ. 
Maybe you just prayed that prayer this morning. We're ready for you. Think you're crazy. Yep, I am crazy. But people do it every single time. And if you just accepted Christ and we have a change of clothes for you, we're ready, we got towels. Yeah, it's cool. And so you just like meet some folks over here and they'll take care of everything. Or maybe, maybe, you know what, you accepted Christ in a long time but you haven't followed through with baptism. This would be like the sweetest act of worship, I think. For you to finally say, I want the world to know that Jesus is my Savior. Yeah, I'm ready. And we're ready for you. So we'll invite you to come. The band's going to play. And we're going to start to baptize. And I'll encourage you.
real quick, uh, we're gonna we're gonna sing one more song before we go. How's that sound? Um, and if you if if you are in here this morning and uh, maybe you're saying I'm not prepared to get baptized, I believe I believe this Jesus stuff, but I'm just not prepared for it. You still have time to move. Otherwise, let's just worship together one more song, and uh, then we'll um, we'll give you some quick announcements before we leave. Okay? But don't 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 go anywhere yet. If you have to leave, then then sure that's that's fine. But it, but if not, we're gonna sing one more song together. And if you need to move, you move, okay? But if you need to sing, you sing. If you need to sit, you sit. Uh, whatever you need to do during this moment, during this time, this is, this is your chance. This is worship. This is worship through music. This is about your God, the one who created the stars, the one who created the sky, the one who created you, the one who said, I, I, I've, got to, I've got to be reunited with my people. I've got to do something and send his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. This is the God that we're serving this, this morning. That's the God that we're singing to. And so before we leave, I just want us to remember, maybe, it's, maybe you just need to close your eyes. You just need to think back at your life and try to think of every moment where God's been with you. Maybe you need to sing the words to the song, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And maybe you need to think about what that valley was for you. Whatever it is, for the next few moments, just worship God however you need to do that. And if you need to get baptized, do it now, okay? And then I'll come back up. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near, and I will feel no
We've got more songs. We've got more songs. We can keep going. It ain't normal. I'm glad I don't serve a normal God. If you, if you can, you can sit down for a few minutes, a couple of minutes. We're going to get you out of here, okay? For those of you that thank you so much for, for hanging around, um, some, of the, some of the stories that, that walked up here and just uh, it's ba- baptism is not the, the moment of salvation but there's something special about it I mean like these people already have a relationship with Jesus they've already accepted him as their savior but there's, there's, some, there's something about celebrating him in front of 500 people that it's just special I, I think back to, to when Jesus was baptized John baptized Jesus and the Bible says that the heavens opened up and the spirit descended like a dove and said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and I believe that same things happened tonight to this morning several times as God's sons and daughters are going under the water and God is saying I'm, I'm well pleased so thank you for letting us be that kind of church that doesn't have to program their way out of a move of God 